We're continuing today our series on Proverbs, which will go probably actually just through next week. On the 20th of August, we'll be having a guest preacher here. I think I'll still be here, but we're having a guest preacher here. So the next two services will be finishing with um, with Proverbs. And just a reminder, um, so that you can we can we can place our talking about Proverbs uh, in its rightful context. We've said this now a couple times. Proverbs, the book of Proverbs and the individual Proverbs are put together at two specific times in Israel's history. The first time was uh, in the time of Solomon, the king, the monarchy, when the monarchy was going bad. Solomon was in some ways a really good guy and in some ways not such a great guy. He was known for his heavy taxes, for his oppression of the people. And uh, so at that time of conflict, the, the, these proverbs were, were, were being used among the people to, to, to help keep them going in difficult times. And then during the exile of the, of the people of Israel in, uh, in, uh, in Babylon was also a time where everything was turned upside down. They didn't know what was going to happen. And so these Proverbs were used then in that time to help encourage one another. So really, the, and I, I, this has been fascinating for me to think about, the Proverbs reflect Israel's struggle to find its identity in a time of cultural crisis when the monarchy, the government, and the priesthood, the church, are no longer sources of ability, of authority and stability. Again, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on today. You probably have this idea that our government isn't exactly doing what it should be doing. And it's pretty obvious to us that the church is pretty capable of doing some pretty terrible things, or people in the church are. And you may wonder, where's our security? Where's our stability? Proverbs, says Alan Davis, is a form of protest literature. Way to say, we're not going along with what you guys are doing. We're going to follow another way. And David puts it this way, Davis puts it this way in a quote that I've shown a couple of times before. This is a book for unexceptional people trying to live wisely and faithfully in the generally undramatic circumstances of daily life on the days when water does not pour from rocks and angels do not come to lunch. The normal business of every day. How do we live? How do we live wisely? How do we live faithfully? That's what Proverbs is about. And again, Proverbs is not telling us how we should live and speak and do things so that God will be happy with us. It's not what it's about. That's, that's somewhere in there. But it's not, Proverbs is not saying to us, if you live this way, then God will be happy with you and take you to heaven when you die. That's not it. God saying, this is my world, things are going really bad, here's how you can live in it, here's how I'm calling you to live in it, so that you can survive as individuals, and that we can survive and live and flourish 
as a community. That's the direction that it's going in. Today's topic is that of integrity and honesty. You may remember that I um, made an attempt, and as I look back on it now, it's not always exactly accurate, but I made an attempt to categorize the Proverbs in different topics. If you go to our church website and you go to the sermon, uh, current sermon page, um, you will find a link there to a Google, a Google spreadsheet, and you can find all those topics and Proverbs there. So we've handled a couple of them over the last few weeks And today's topic is the one of integrity or honesty. How do we live as people of integrity? And I'm going to choose Proverbs that use two different words. One is the positive side and one is the more negative side. The positive word is the word integrity. There are a couple of different Hebrew words that are translated integrity, and this one particularly has the primary meaning of completeness. That you're complete. That you've got everything you need. That, that it's, that it's all there. That's this idea of integrity that's used in these verses in Proverbs. So we're going to project to just a couple of them, uh, just walk through them, uh, with you. Whoever walks in integrity, now remember again, in time of crisis, whoever walks in integrity, completeness, walks securely. But he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. How do you walk securely in time of crisis? Integrity. Completeness. The next one. Whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord. For he who is devious in his ways despises him. How do we live as a community of people in crisis? In relationship to God who is our maker, who is our shepherd, and whose uh, who sheep we are. Again, this idea of integrity, uprightness, completeness. And then the third one I've chosen. Whoever walks in integrity will be delivered, but he who is crooked in his ways will suddenly fall. Whoever walks in completeness in the time of crisis will be delivered. And again, don't think of this as God saying, If you do this, I will save you. And if you don't do this, I won't save you. That's not what it is. It's how do we live together and work together with each other and live as community in such a way that we can go through this crisis in which we find ourselves in a way that brings um, well-being. We do that by being complete people. Whoever is crooked in his ways will suddenly fall, won't be able to keep going along this path. I want you to note that all of the consequences of not being complete are passive. That is, the the verses don't say, if you don't walk in integrity, you're going to get hit with a lightning bolt. If you're devious... Some angry God is going to come and punish you. 
or if you're crooked in your ways, someone's going to come down and throw you into the pit. That's not the concept here. The concept is if you want to survive and move toward well-being in a time of crisis, this is the way to do it. And if you don't, this is consequence. This will happen. If you're not complete, you're not upright, you're not mature, you're not a person of integrity, then certain things are going to happen. And they're going to damage your own well-being and that of the community in which you live. So a call to completeness, to integrity, is designed to move us toward well-being. And the other side of that is this word deceit. And there, again, a couple different words for deceit in the, in the Hebrew Bible. But this particular one that I've chosen that's using, that, that, that I'm using means breach of faith. So when someone puts their faith in you, when someone trusts you for something, and you break that faith, in this sense, this word deceitful is being used. And again, you can see how deeply woven into community this is. Because this kind of thing, breaking a faith, doesn't happen if you're on an island all by yourself. And you, can, you can break faith with yourself, but that's not... You can only break faith when you're in relationship with another person. That's what the Proverbs are talking about here. Whoever breaks faith destroys him or herself and the community and is not able and capable of living and surviving and moving toward well-being, especially in times of crisis. Here's a couple Proverbs. A truthful witness saves lives, but one who breathes out lies is deceitful. Truthful witness saves lives. The deceitful person destroys lives. Haven't we seen that the last couple of weeks in our community? The deceitful person breathes lives and destroys, sometimes literally a person or a community. Bread gained by deceit, bread gained by breach of faith. This is a little different than another image you have in the Proverbs, which is an image we don't really know anymore, but the image of someone who uses false weights in the scale. So it's supposed to be a pound, but it's, what would it be? It would be less than a pound, right? So that you are paying for a pound, but only getting nine-tenths of a pound, something like that. That concept is in Proverbs too. This is just a little bit different. Bread gained by a breach of faith is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth will be full of gravel. Pretty powerful image there. And notice again, this is consequence. This isn't somebody coming up to you, opening your mouth and throwing gravel in. If you're going to break other people's faith in whichever ways you do it, these are going to be the consequences. It's going to be painful. It's going to feel like gravel in the mouth. Lying lips, deceit, this is actually the same word, are an abomination to the Lord. But those who act faithfully 
are his delight. And again, you see the connection in this proverb, just as we had in, in the one about honesty, integrity, this connection to God still. It's still there. And again, this is not a consequence thing. If you do this, then that, or if you don't do this, then that. This is the way things work. God is a God of wholeness, of wellness, of shalom, of well-being. And when we're breaking faith with each other and with his creation, with him, then his heart is broken. There's nothing he loves to see more than people living in faithfulness with each other, in honesty, in openness, doing what they say, saying what they're going to do, and following through on it, being people that you can depend on, people whom you know what you see on the outside is also what's happening on the inside. I've also said at the beginning of this series that I don't think it's quite proper to try to push Jesus Christ into every single one of these verses. I, I don't think that's a good way of approaching Proverbs. But I think it is helpful to just take a look at Jesus and say, how did Jesus do this? And again, remember the last year we've been talking about Jesus from the book of John and saying, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. And of course, the verse from John 1.14 pops into my mind. The word Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. These two together. And just think about Jesus being a person of integrity, person of truth, person of grace. And I encourage you maybe this afternoon or during this week to think about it a little deeper, perhaps skim through one of the Gospels. How does Jesus show and reflect what we've been reading about in Proverbs in terms of being a person of integrity, completeness, and not being a person who breaches faith? And you might come across stories like Jesus meeting the woman at the well. You remember that, John 4. Very precarious situation because men did not meet women alone and Jewish men did not talk to Samaritan women, let alone alone. And there was Jesus. The woman who had been struggling for years with bleeding, Jesus opens himself up to her. Remember Mary and Martha at the tomb of Jesus, at the tomb of Lazarus. Jesus weeping with them and being upset and angry that his friend had succumbed to death. Remember we talked about this just in June, the restoration of Peter. Jesus looks at Peter after Peter had done this awful thing, breach of trust. Peter had been deceitful with his lips and his heart, and Jesus looks at him and says, Do you love me? And now I'm sending you out. Come to me, says Jesus, all you who are weary and heavy laden, for I will give you 
rest. Or, just to present a little bit of the other side, confronting the religious leaders of his time. You guys are like whitewashed sepulchers, tombs. You look really good on the outside, but inside is just rot. You think you're doing all these religious things, and you think God is pleased with you, but you're doing them just to be looked at by people. You've had praise from men. But that will go into the grave along with you. Standing in front of Pilate. Pilate says, why don't you speak? Don't you know I'm king here? Don't you know I represent empire? Don't you know I have the power with a word to have you crucified? And Jesus says, no, you don't. No, you don't. You think you do, but you don't. You don't have any power at all. And then Pilate says, what is truth? And Jesus doesn't even answer. Can you imagine the look that Jesus gave him? And how Pilate's heart might have run cold. Because he knew he was looking at truth. I am the way, said Jesus. The truth and the life. And then on the cross, talked about this last Sunday. Taking care of John and his mother. There they were. He's on the cross in the most mortal agony that anyone can ever undergo. Looking at John and looking at his mother, Mary, said, you two, be faithful to one another. Take care of one another. Raising out his hands and forgiving. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then giving himself into the hands of his heavenly father. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. An authentic person. A complete person. A person who never breached trust person who lived in community in all ways that he could. That's what Proverbs is talking about, that kind of person. And as you perhaps, hopefully, as a result of what we're talking about this morning, think about this whole concept of integrity for yourself, honesty, integrity. Here's just a couple words for you to think about. One is authenticity. Just another word, maybe a more modern word. Does what you say and do match with what's going on in your heart? And I super, super, super encourage you to think about that seriously. Because the going off the rails happens with little, tiny steps. I'm not trying to scare you or say it's going to happen to us this way, but where David Zanstra ended up on that August day in August came from little, tiny steps years ago where he chose to say one thing and to be another person.
and the consequences were disastrous for Gretchen, for her family, and for us today. Someone who chose to say one thing and in his heart be another. Living without deceit, living as a person of integrity, allows you to be stable. Instead of following every whim, every opinion, going up and down, especially in the time of the deepest crisis, not that it doesn't hurt, not that it's not painful, not that you don't weep, There's this fundamental stability. I know who I am. And I know who my God is. He is my maker. And I am a sheep of his. Part of his flock. And there is nothing. Not what you think. Not what anyone else thinks. Not what anything anything else does. That, to quote the Apostle Paul, can separate me or us from the love of Christ. And then one other thing, integrity allows you to show grace to other people. If you are not a person of integrity, you are going through life trying to build yourself up in the eyes of other people. And that means every opportunity that you have to show that the other person is not as good as you, you will take. You will absolutely take it. Maybe just in your mind. (laughs) You will take it. If you are a person of integrity, of authenticity, of completeness, you will be able to look at the other person who did whatever it is that he or she did and extend grace because your righteousness is not rooted in that other person. Your righteousness is rooted in what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. And I can't tell you how how much I think Many of us are missing this stuff. We are just living double lives. Not everybody equally badly, but we all do it. And how important it is and how significant it is and how how it moves us toward well-being, to move toward completeness and authenticity and stability and grace. Or, as the famous story, which I'm sure most of you know, the Velveteen Rabbit says it, to become real. The skin horse is the oldest and wisest toy in the nursery. Real isn't how you are made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real with a capital R. Does it hurt? 
asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. But when you are real, with a capital R, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up, he asked? Or bit by bit? It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily or have sharp edges or who have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all. Because, you, because once you are real, you cannot be ugly, except to people who don't understand. Let's pray. Lord, forgive us for being fakers. Move us in the direction of being people of integrity, both in our individual personal lives as well as in our life as a community. We thank you for these words. Thank you for Jesus. And we entrust our lives into his hands. Amen.